Hello and welcome to the Landmark Theatres Film Club podcast. In this episode, we'll hear a conversation about the film 22 July with writer-director Paul Greengrass, actors Anders Danielson-Lee, Jonas Strand-Gravely, and Seda Witt, as well as director of photography Paul Ulvik Rokseth, moderated by Melina Saval from Variety. This conversation was recorded at an exclusive preview screening of the film at the Landmark in Los Angeles prior to its release. Um, hi, can you hear me? All right, cool. I'm Melina Saval from Variety. Um, as you just saw, this is a very special, beautiful, and important film. And I'm really honored to interview uh, the people directly involved with making it all possible and happen. So, and I apologize in advance if I butcher their names because as you know, they are Norwegian. Um, <laughs> Paul Greengrass, though, is not Norwegian. So that's easy, director, Paul Greengrass. <laughs> And uh, Anders Danielson Lee, who played Brevik in the film. Jonas Strand Gravli, Vilhar. I, again, apologies. Seta Witt, who played Lara. And our director of photography, our DP, Paul Ulvik Rokseth. And they can correct me. So, um, you know, my first question is a lot of people might say this is a hard film to watch. What do you say, Paul, to those people who say this is a very difficult film experience? I'm not even sure if I want to go there. Well, it, it's a disturbing subject, for sure, for sure. It's, um, but I think the world is quite disturbing right now, I would say. And um, although I think, obviously, the first the 35 minutes are, I think ultimately, as a film, it's inspiring. I think it's the story of <clears throat> how Norway fought for her democracy against the this terrible right-wing terrorist attack. And I think that that story speaks to all of us uh, across Europe and North America right now. I think we're facing some difficult times. Mm. Um, anybody else, has anybody else maybe said to anybody in the cast or, or Paul and the DP, have they said, this is such a difficult subject matter, I don't know if I want to go sit through this, I just want to be entertained. What's your response to those people? I'll see it maybe and put up your own mind. I'd say it's difficult yeah. for us to force upon the people to see it, but uh, I know I have some friends that says it's difficult. Yes, but uh, yeah. I think it's important to see it. Absolutely. Anyone else? I was thinking that I think it it's a good thing if you could use one of the most accessible, uh, popular mediums of all, the, the feature film format, to to tell an important story. Um, uh, and because it's not, it shouldn't be all entertainment and, and popcorn. It should also be uh, a medium where you can uh, treat uh, difficult subject matter and um, stories that are uh, this, this the important stories of our time. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, you're um, all Norwegian, with the exception of, of Paul. Do you remember where you were when this attack happened? 
And do you remember what your thoughts were when it happened? Yeah, of course. I think all Norwegians know exactly where they were and, and who they were with and, and their thoughts uh, that exact day. Um, I was uh, at a friend's house and I remember the total confusion that followed that day and that you had no idea um, if there were more attacks or if it was Al-Qaeda or who was behind this, this attack. And um, it was a very confusing day indeed. Mm. Anybody else have any um, feelings about that day? And if so, did you use that feeling that you might have experienced on that day in your performance? You know, I mean, how, how crazy it is to have experienced learning about this happening in real time and then years later be a part of a film. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I remember well um, where I was at the time, but I think that I wasn't uh, I wasn't one of the uh, the ones that were affected like personally on, uh, at these attacks. But um, I think as an actor, it's um, you have to have a whole different approach to a role like this uh, because. Um, uh, talking to Villier, the real Villier before we started shooting, and it was it's it's unbelievable. Uh, it's it's impossible for me to imagine how it actually felt to be on that island and to to experience these attacks. So it was um, even though I'm Norwegian and I I knew this um, this story so well, and and uh, I really felt uh, it had an impact on me when it happened, but. To 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 do those scenes on the island and also doing the scenes in the aftermath of what happened, it's um, it was really hard. It was uh, and it was important for me to to talk a lot with Villier and 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 listen to his story uh, from him. Also, what's so um, terrifying about his story is that he continues to live it because he's living still with parts of the bullets, right? So. When you did you speak to him about that and how is he able to just live in the moment? I was just thinking about that consistently as I watched the film. This is a person for whom he is not able to put it completely behind him because literally a part of that attack is inside of his physical body, and that must be just so terrifying to live with every day. Yeah, uh, he he said that it was it was terrifying and and the fact that he knew that it could something could happen like every single second, he never knew if he was going to live or die in a long period of time after the attack. So I think it was, yeah, it was terrifying. And also when he got uh, the message that the fragment had like capsuled, so it, it wasn't dangerous anymore, yeah. that was maybe, even though that was a relief to know that he wasn't in danger anymore, it, actually, it also were, Terrifying because that was the first time he realized that now I'm going to live like nothing yeah. happened, like everything is normal again. And that was also terrifying for him, I think. Absolutely. For Anders, you um, play the um, person in the movie that, um, it, for lack of a better word, the villain, so to speak, but he represents a lot of what's um, terrible in society today. How did you? prepare for that performance and was there anything um, was there anything you know as an actor you love what you do was there anything that you could take from this experience that was joyful 
or where you you grew in some way as an actor? Were you able to find any sort of joy um, in playing this character, or was it just so difficult to embody this pure force of evil? Well, joy is not the <laughs> the, the right word, uh, but I think that. Um, to me, it felt meaningful um, to to be a part of this film because I, I uh, when I read the script and when I talked to Paul, I I was very confident that he uh, wanted to make a film to remember uh, the victims, those who passed away and those who were injured, and that he was also curious to to ask questions, to, to try to find out why this happened, mm. uh, that these people were not. Uh, killed by some mysterious force of evil, but that this was actually one of the most politically motivated terrorist attacks in recent memory. And um, whether we like it or not, he, he 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 was a lone wolf terrorist. But he he uh, there are many people out there in the world who share his ideas and uh, far-right political extremism is on the rise and we just have to to confront those ideas i i think we uh, um, personally i i believe in freedom of speech and uh, i think we have to um, to uh, use our best reasoning to uh, to show that these are ideas are false uh, so it felt like an important film to be a part of, and I was not thinking so much about my part of it or the role I was set to play. Uh, the only thing I knew was that uh, it felt like a huge responsibility to try to create a truthful portrait, and I didn't want to censor anything. I just wanted it to be as truthful as, po as possible. It <clears throat> Can I just talk about that a minute? Absolutely, it was yeah. it. I remember very early on when I was, before I'd actually started writing, but I went to the, well, first thing I did was ask the family's permission, and then they arranged for me to go to Utoya Island. Uh, we obviously didn't shoot on the island itself, though the island that we shot on looks identical. But I actually went to Utoya Island itself, and... Um, I was told the most wonderful story, which in many ways um, uh, summed up why I wanted to make this film. Uh, the young man who runs Itoir Island now, you know, manages the, 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 the facilities and so forth, explained that after it was all over, uh, the young people, about a year, year and a half later, after the trial was over, um, had to decide what to do with the tour, which for decades and decades, uh, really since the Second World War, had been a place where young people in Norway had come to enjoy uh, fun and camp and, you know, uh, and all the rest of it, but also think about the world and think about civic leadership and so forth. And they voted... Uh, had a big debate and voted and decided that it was fundamental to them that Utoya remained open, that if they closed it and it became simply a memorial to those who'd, who had died, that that is not what 
they would have wanted because it would be handing Brevik a victory. And so today, it still is a campsite. Young people still come all the time. Uh, it's a study centre too where young people come and discuss political extremism and the perils and problems of it, particularly in our world, across the world. Uh, and the black building that, that we depict there is now coated with 77 large columns which represent each of the people who died. And then outside it, uh, some four or 500 smaller stays, that each of which represents a survivor. And they call it the guarded house because the survivors guard those who are no longer with them. And he said, we want to, it's, we all felt that we have to enjoy life. And we talked about how it would be if I made the film. And I remember saying to you that we have to enjoy our work when we're making this film. Take it desperately seriously, but, but we would be handing a victory if we didn't enjoy our comradeship, enjoy the collective you know, beauty of making a film, and then we intensely try and reflect on this subject and do our best work. You know, you're, you're known as a, uh, even when you're doing these features, you base a lot of it, um, of, the, of your work on real life events. And there's a very, um, very much a documentary feel to the films that you make. Um, you also, on the other hand, do, you know, the Bourne films, slightly different. But when you do these types of movies and um, they, they feel so organic and so real and so natural. But at the same time, I'm imagining everything is directed so with a particular idea and aesthetic in mind. So how do you balance, or rather, how do you get extract from you know, your actors and just in terms of directing? How do you make it so natural, but at the same time have a vision that, did you, you, know, did you storyboard a lot of these scenes beforehand, or did you just? Mm, I don't tend to do that myself. I mean, I plan meticulously and I'll plan sequences meticulously as you know you have to know what you're trying to do um, but you know films films do many things I mean I love making entertaining films I love making born movies I love a car chase you might have noticed um, I, I love a big fight you know I, I love all those things I love there's nothing better that I like in in life than going to the movies on a Saturday night yeah. with a bowl of popcorn, you know. Um, but it's nice, not nice, I feel that I need to for myself as a filmmaker from time to time think about the way the world is. And I've got young adult children and I think we're in a very troubling moment politically with this huge uh, shift, unprecedented shift towards extremist uh, politics at the moment and so you try and I make films so that's what I try and do in terms of the rest of it you trust in your actors and you trust in and I was very blessed in this film to work with all Norwegian actors none of whom I knew not didn't know any of their work but you know um, and also an, a Norwegian crew and you know a lot of it the naturalism is down to that gentleman on the end there, Paul, who we'd never met each other. He seemed frighteningly young to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
And we just clicked from the first moment because he knew how to photograph this film, yeah. you know. Yeah, I was about the photography. It's so beautiful because it's um, just, you know, tonally you've got those, you know, those dim grays and muted blues. When you came to the film, did you have um, an aesthetic idea of how you wanted to see the film photographed? Did you collaborate along the way? What was that collaboration process like? It's a question for Paul. Well, it's um, a huge collaboration of, you know, with Paul and uh, and also with all the other departments. But uh, uh, I think the approach on the film was uh, it from the start very truthfully in a way. We had to kind of uh, recreate some of the scenes that we know from uh, TV and you know we've seen happening in the real world. So it's it's important to be you know truthful to <coughs> to how to reconstruct them. But um, no, we uh, you know natural and truthful way to tell stories is you know you have to uh, if you in in some some of the situation put yourself into a real situation what how will you tell the story if you can only shoot it once you know um, let the actors be open in the room uh, they walk wherever they want to go follow them instead of setting limitation on where to put them you know uh, let them go in and out of lights it's it's a it's difficult, but at the same time also uh, um, in great, uh, I, I can't find the word, but uh, deliberating to, to, yeah. to, to follow the actors, you know. A, a lot of the time you're studying how light actually falls, really. I mean, that's the key, isn't it, Paul? You know, to look yeah. at how, you know, if you look at this room here, light, it's available, you know. It's lit. It's available light for this space, and it's it's falling in certain places. You know, there's and it's spill real. there, and there's yeah. some spill here, and then there's a little few pieces there, and then there's a different light there. And often, what you, you know, what you're looking for is to allow what is there to to dare, and it takes courage, I think, as a cinematographer to really observe how the light is falling and let that be your guide. And it does, it's not the same, I'm not saying by that you just shoot it, that's not what I'm saying, You, but you work with the warp and weave of the light that's there. I was going to ask about when, um, during what seasons you film the movie, because obviously there's snow and then there's like summer represented. Um, and as we know in Norway, there's periods where there's lots of light and there's periods where there's no light. Did you have to manipulate that at all? Like were there any scenes that you were filming in the middle of the night to make it look like it was early evening, or did you, you know, did you have to? Well, the, again, you know, available light means that, you know, we have to use the available light, but of course, if you shoot an interior scene and you know that you will uh, go over a certain amount of hours because you cannot do it in one or two, which is the light, then you have to start to recreate kind of, you know, natural light, which sometimes is uh, easy and sometimes is difficult. and. Uh, but it's also a, a plan, you know, when we did with uh, Chris Carreras, you know, he's the first AD, you know, we plan stuff. So we, the stuff you see out the windows, we shoot first and then we can always turn around and do it if we don't. But we tried to do the whole scene in one, so. so, uh, so the truth is we were shooting in wintertime and there's about 12 and okay. a half minutes of light. That's in what Norway. I'm thinking. <laughs> so even, oh, the, no. even the island scenes <laughs> so were during the winter. Generally, I, generally Paul's being very <laughs> diplomatic. I'd say, 
if we shoot this side, can you light the rest of right. it to make it look like daylight and yeah. go slightly white? <laughs> Say you're kidding me, but no. The book One of Us, um, how much of it on which the I mean the film is is based on the book. It's also based on real life events. But how much of an influence was that particular book and the making of this film? Very much. Usnasierstadt's book One of Us is the best book about the subject, and it's a very meticulous, long, and rather beautiful book and it it's comprehensive it's the story of uh it's really the story actually of uh, of anders brevik from birth and the two uh friends of Vilja simon and anders who 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 died it's really their story and how they they grew up and collided then on and through the trial and out the other side um uh and she's a you know, a very considerable figure in Norway, and it's a, a brilliant book. And we had lots of discussions. I, I just felt that for me, the film, and you know, any film, you have to choose the story that you want to tell. And no film can tell the story of everything, you know. I just felt that the story that I wanted to tell was the story of what happened afterwards. Of course, you know, the first half hour or so has to portray what happened, because you have to, as a, to a certain extent, you know, in the film, live through that to get to what the film's about, which is how Norway fought for her democracy, how one family, these two young people, came through the experience and what effect it had on their hopes and dreams and idealism. And, uh, and that, in the end, meant for me centering the story on Vilja, who's in the book, but he's a much less important character than Simon Nanders, uh, because I wanted to create this, you know, uh, structure where you have, I think, what is the choice for young people today increasingly? You know, there's no doubt that many young people across your country, across the UK, where I live, across Europe, are increasingly angry, I think, and feel excluded feel the system doesn't work for them, uh, you know, that uh, troubled by the changing world and the, of course, all their fears and anxieties and angers are amplified and echoed by social media. And I think it's part of the, uh, and, the and they're starting to think of solutions that are beyond the democratic norms, as I've always understood yeah. them in my life. And I think that there is a, a, a struggle coming in amongst young people about what sort of world they want to live in. And that struggle, I think, is exemplified by Vilja Hansen on the one hand and Anders Brevik on the other. For um, Sarah and Jonas, this was your first film for both of you. And you both carried the film in so many ways. Um, Without you, this film would not have resonated in the way that it did. I, I believe that. And you had those amazing courtroom scenes where you had to essentially recite monologues. Were those difficult? And um, how did you prepare for, for that scene particularly? Um, yeah, of course, they were very difficult to do. Um, I spoke to Lara a lot before doing the scene. And it's... Um, it's quite close to what she actually said okay. that day. And it's, um, it's a representation of her, her strength to walk in 
to that room and to to face the man who killed her sister mm. and and she has been the most amazing girl to to talk to and to to discuss things with and and it's also in the film because she um, not long after the attacks she went to the hospital to to see the other victims yeah. and to check on them and that has been so inspiring to um, to speak to her about that and and so the courtroom scene I know was very important for for her journey and for her to get some sort of closure um, and also to to speak not only for her and her family but also for many um, refugees who come to a country to seek security and for some reason doesn't get it so um, it was uh, it was a tough scene to do but it was it's not possible to to imagine what it was like because we did that scene in the exact room that that it happened yeah. so um, yeah it was uh, it was so inspiring to talk to her and I felt really honored to get to portray her in this film. Do you know? Do you remember how many takes you did of that scene, Paul? Is it several takes or? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a few. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, they were both fantastic. Yeah. The way they they nailed it. It's it's a funny thing. Uh, the relationship, you know, direct filmmaker actor director actor. It's a certain point, and it. It's true, I think, of big, big scenes. Of course, you can prepare together, you know, and you prepare and you think about what you're doing and you, you know, try and get mentally prepared and think through, you know, how it might go. But in the end, the single thing that you can do on my side is just believe yeah. in an actor, believe in their ability to do it and that's the best thing you can do you know in the end it's a little like sports you know when they when an actor walks across that white line only they can do that special thing that only actors can do to sit in a space be photographed and literally create an alternative reality with sufficient intensity and conviction you know, months, months later, thousands of miles away, you'll watch and at some level believe. That's a that's a beautiful artistry and it's a Absolutely. it's performance art of a of a beautiful time. And and only the actor can do it. Yeah. And 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 you, what you have to do is believe in them with your heart and soul. That's what, that's the thing that I think that they find. I can't speak. You must ask more. them. We have a couple more minutes. Quickly, that scene for you, how was yeah. it? And then I have one last question to end on. Uh, no, I, I think it was, uh, it was of course, really hard to do, uh, both because I knew that it was an important scene for the film, but also because I felt like that was, that was the most important scene for me to do good because I wanted to show how brave uh, the real Villiger was. Um, to to uh, to actually go into that room and sit down face to face with the guy who who tried to kill him and and shot him five times, uh, 
And so, so it was important to really show his focus uh, in when it came to his journey in the recovery. Um, um, and yeah, as Seda said, it was shot in the actual room, so it was a lot of emotions just because of that. And um, yeah, but it was, I think, one of the best things uh, when we were doing this film was that Paul gave us so much time uh, in every single scene and every single situation, so we didn't have to rush anything. And and when you get a lot of time to to just be in a situation, something you 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 feel more free and you don't feel like you have to rush anything and yeah get to some specific point. So that was that was really good. Just one last quick question: the film is going to be on Netflix. It's October tenth, right? Is that the date? He so, but basically, it's um, the model. The, the model of this film premiering is such that people all over the world are going to be able to access it um, at the same time um, in Norway, in the States. What do you hope that people get out of this film that are watching it? What do you hope the messages that they come away with, um, or what kind of inspiration, etc., do you hope that they get gleaned from watching this movie? I guess anyone can answer that. Uh, well, my hope is that people can see this film as a local story with a global message, uh, uh, that they can see it as a cautionary tale about uh, the, the worst possible consequences of uh, political extremism. And, um, and speaking for my part as well, I think um, we need to know more about the, the power and danger of, of radicalization, whether it's uh, political, ideological, or religious radicalization. So I hope it's a film that um, that can be, I, I know it's disturbing to watch it, but I hope it can be uh, meaningful um, for uh, a lot of people in many countries, and that uh, ultimately it's a film for uh, that's that was made to honor the victims of the 22nd of July. Thank you all so much for such a beautiful film and for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theatres Film Club podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear Q&As with talent from new independent films opening at the Landmark. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of these Q&As and more exclusive content. See you next time.